0: CHAPTER ELEVEN, PART TWO OF CONSTANCE DUNLAP BY ARTHUR B. REEVE. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THE DOPE FIENDS CONTINUED. IN THE MORNING, AS SHE WAS WORKING ABOUT HER LITTLE kitchenette, AN IDEA CAME TO HER. WHY NOT HIRE THE VACANT APARTMENT across THE HALL FROM ADELE? AN OPTICIAN WHO WAS A FRIEND OF HERS, IN THE COURSE OF A RECENT CONVERSATION, HAD MENTIONED AN INVENTION, A MODEL OF WHICH HE HAD MADE FOR THE INVENTOR she would try it. Since, with Constance, the outlining of a plan was tantamount to the execution, it was not many hours later before she had both the apartment and the model of the invention. Her wall separated her from the store, and by careful calculation she determined about where came the little prescription department. Carefully, so as to arouse no suspicion, she began to bore away at the wall with various tools until finally she had a small, almost imperceptible opening. It was tedious work, and toward the end needed great care so as not to excite suspicion. But finally she was rewarded. Through it she could see just a trace of daylight, and by squinting could see a row of bottles on a shelf opposite. Then, through the hole, she pushed a long, narrow tube, like a putty-blower. When, at last, she placed her eye at it, she gave a low exclamation of satisfaction she could now see the whole of the little room it was a detectoscope invented by gaylord smith adapter of the detectophone an instrument built up on the principle of the cytoscope which physicians used to explore internally down the throat only in the end of the tube instead of an ordinary lens was placed what is known as a fish-eye lens which had a range something like nature has given the eyes of fishes hence the name. Ordinarily, cameras, because of the flatness of their lenses, have a range of only a few degrees, the greatest being scarcely more than ninety. But this lens was globular, and like a drop of water, refracted light from all directions. When placed so that half of it caught the light, it saw through an angle of a hundred and eighty degrees, saw everything in the room, instead of just that little row of bottles on the shelf opposite. Constance set herself to watch and it was not long before her suspicions were confirmed and she was sure that this was nothing more than a coke joint still she wondered whether Muller was the real source of the traffic of which Slaybells was the messenger she was determined to find out all day she watched through her detectoscope once she saw Adele come in and buy more dope it was with difficulty that she kept from interfering but she reflected the time was not ripe She had thought the thing out. There was no use in trying to get at it through Adele. The only way was to stop the whole curse at its source, to dam the stream. People came and went. She soon found that he was selling them packets from a box hidden in the woodwork. That much she had learned anyhow. Constance watched faithfully all day, with only time enough taken out for dinner. It was after her return from this brief interval that she felt her heart give a leap of apprehension, as she looked again through the detectoscope, there was Drummond in the back of the store talking to Muller and a woman who looked as if she might be Mrs. Muller, for both seemed nervous and anxious. As nearly as she could make out, Drummond was alternately threatening and arguing with Muller. Finally, the three seemed to agree, for Drummond walked over to a typewriter on a table, took a fresh sheet of carbon paper from a drawer, placed it between two sheets of paper, and hastily wrote something. Drummond read over what he had written. It seemed to be short, and the three apparently agreed on it. Then, in a trembling hand, Muller signed the two copies which Drummond had made, one of which Drummond himself kept, and the other he sealed in an envelope and sent away by a boy. Drummond reached into his pocket and pulled out a huge roll of bills of large denomination. He counted out what seemed to be approximately half, handed it to the woman, and replaced the rest in his pocket. What it was all about Constance could only vaguely guess. She longed to know what was in the letter and why the money had been paid to the woman. Perhaps a quarter of an hour after Drummond left, Adele appeared again, pleading for more dope. Muller went back of the partition and made up a fresh paper of it from a bottle also concealed. Constance was torn by conflicting impulses. She did not want to miss anything in the perplexing drama that was being enacted before her yet she wished to interfere with the deadly course of Adele. Still, perhaps the girl would resent interference if she found out that Constance was spying on her. She determined to wait a little while before seeing Adele. It was only after a decided effort that she tore herself away from the detectoscope and knocked on Adele's door as if she had just come in for a visit. Again she knocked, but still there was no answer. Every minute something might be happening next door she hurried back to her post of observation. One of the worst aspects of the use of cocaine, she knew, was the desire of the user to share his experience with someone else. The passing on of the habit, which seemed to be one of the strongest desires of the drug fiend, made him even more dangerous to society than he would otherwise have been. That thought gave Constance an idea. She recalled also, now, having heard somewhere that it was a common characteristic of these poor creatures to have a passion for fast automobiling, to go on long rides, perhaps even without having the money to pay for them. That, too, confirmed the idea which she had. As the night advanced, she determined to stick to her post. What could it have been that Drummond was doing? It was no good, she felt positive. Suddenly, before her eye glued to its eavesdropping aperture, she saw a strange sight. There was a violent commotion in the store. Blue-coated policemen seemed to swarm in from nowhere, and in the rear, directing them, appeared Drummond, holding by the arm the unfortunate sleigh bells, quaking with fear, evidently having been picked up already elsewhere by the wily detective. Muller put up a stout resistance, but the officers easily seized him and, after a hasty but thorough search, unearthed his cache of the contraband drug. As the scene unfolded, Constance was more and more bewildered after having witnessed what had preceded it, the signing of the letter and the passing of the money. Muller evidently had nothing to say about that. What did it mean? The police were still holding Muller, and Constance had not noted that Drummond had disappeared. It's on the first floor. Left, men, sounded a familiar voice outside her own door. I know she's there. My shadow saw her buy the dope and take it home her heart was thumping wildly. It was Drummond leading his squad of raiders, and they were about to enter the apartment of Adele. They knocked, but there was no answer. A few moments before, Constance would have felt perfectly safe in saying that Adele was out. But if Drummond's man had seen her enter, might she not have been there all the time, be there still, in a stupor? She dreaded to think of what might happen if the poor girl once fell into their hands. It would be the final impulse that would complete her ruin. Constance did not stop to reason it out. Her woman's intuition told her that now was the time to act, that there was no retreat. She opened her own door just as the raiders had forced in the flimsy affair that guarded the apartment of Adele. "'So,' sneered Drummond, catching sight of her in the dim light of the hallway, "'you are mixed up in these violations of the new drug law, too.' Constance said nothing. She had determined first to make Drummond display his hand. Well, he ground out, I'm going to get these people this time. I represent the Medical Society and the Board of Health. These men have been assigned to me by the Commissioner as a dope squad. We want this girl. We have others who will give evidence. But we want this one, too. He said it with a bluster that even exaggerated the theatrical character of the raid itself. Constance did not stop to weigh the value of his words, but through the door she brushed quickly adele might need her if she was indeed there as she entered the little living room she saw a sight which almost transfixed her adele was there lying across a divan motionless constance bent over adele was cold as far as she could determine there was not a breath or a heartbeat what did it mean she did not stop to think instantly there flashed over her the recollection of an instrument she had read about at one of the city hospitals It might save Adele. Before anyone knew what she was doing, she had darted to the telephone in the lower hall of the apartment and had called up the hospital frantically, imploring them to hurry. Adele must be saved. Constance had no very clear idea of what happened next in the hurly-burly of events, until the ambulance pulled up at the door and the white-coated surgeon burst in carrying a heavy suitcase. With one look at the unfortunate girl, he muttered, paralysis of the respiratory organs, too large a dose of the drug. He did perfectly right, and began unpacking the case. Constance, calm now in the crisis, stood by him, and helped as deftly as could any nurse. It was a curious arrangement of tubes and valves with a large rubber bag and a little pump that the doctor had brought. Quickly he placed the cap attached to it over the nose and mouth of the poor girl and started the machine. Well, what is it? Gasped Drummond as he saw Adele's hitherto motionless breast now rise and fall, a pull motor replied the doctor, working quickly and carefully, an artificial lung sometimes it can revive even the medically dead. It is our last chance with this girl. Constance had picked up the packet which had fallen beside Adele and was looking at the white powder, almost pure cocaine, remarked the young surgeon, testing it. The hydrochloride, large crystals, highest quality usually it is adulterated. Was she in the habit of taking it this way? Constance said nothing. She had seen Muller make up the packet. Specially now, she recalled. Instead of the adulterated dope, he had given Adèle the purest kind. Why? Was there some secret he wished to lock in her breast forever? Mechanically, the pull motor pumped. Would it save her? Constance was living over what she had already seen through the detectoscope. Suddenly she thought of the strange letter and of the money. She hurried into the drugstore. Muller had already been taken away, but before the officer left in charge could interfere, she picked up the carbon sheet on which the letter had been copied, turned it over, and held it eagerly to the light. She read in amazement. It was a confession. In it, Muller admitted to Dr. Morland Price that he was the head of a sort of dope-trust, that he had messengers out like sleigh-bells, that he had often put dope in the prescriptions sent him by the doctor and had repeatedly violated the law and refilled such prescriptions. On its face, it was complete and convincing. Yet it did not satisfy Constance. She could not believe that Adele had committed suicide. Adele must possess some secret. What was it? Is there any change? she asked anxiously of the young surgeon now engrossed in his work. For answer, he merely nodded to the apparently motionless form on the bed, and for a moment stopped the pull motor. The mechanical movement of the body ceased, but in its place was a slight tremor about the lips and mouth. Adèle moved, was faintly gasping for breath. "'Adèle!' cried Constance softly in her ear. "'Adèle!' Something, perhaps a far-away answer of recognition, seemed to flicker over her face. The doctor redoubled his efforts. "'Adèle, do you know me?' whispered Constance again. "'Yes,' came back faintly at last. "There, "'There's something wrong with it. They—they—' "'How? What do you mean?' urged Constance. "'Tell me, Adèle.' The girl moved uneasily. The doctor administered a stimulant, and she vaguely opened her eyes, began to talk hazily, dreamily. Constance bent over to catch the faint words which would have been lost to the others. "'They—' are going to double-cross the health department, she murmured as if to herself. Then, gathering strength, she went on. Muller and sleighbells will be arrested and take the penalty. They have been caught with the goods, anyhow. It has all been arranged so that the detective will get his case. Money will be paid to both of them, to Muller and the detective, to swing the case and protect him. He made me do it. I saw the detective, even danced with him, and he agreed to do it. "'Oh, I would do anything. "'I am his willing tool when I have the stuff. "'But this time it was—' "'She rambled off incoherently. "'Who made you do it? "'Who told you?' prompted Constance. "'For whom would you do anything?' "'Adèle moaned and clutched Constance's hand convulsively. "'Constance did not pause to consider the ethics "'of questioning a half-conscious girl. "'Her only idea was to get at the truth. "'Who was it?' she reiterated. "'Adèle turned weakly. "'Dr. Price,' she murmured "'as Constance bent her ear "'to catch even the faintest sound. "'He told me all about it "'last night in the car.' "'Instantly, Constance understood. "'Adèle was the only one outside "'who held the secret, "'who could upset the carefully planned frame-up "'that was to protect the real head "'of the dope-trust, "'who had paid liberally "'to save his own wretched skin. "'She rose quickly,' and wheeled about suddenly on Drummond. "'You will convict Dr. Price also,' she said in a low tone. "'This girl must not be dragged down to. You will leave her alone, and both you and Mr. Muller will hand over that money to her for her cure of the habit.' Drummond started forward angrily, but fell back as Constance added in a lower but firmer tone. "'Or I'll have you all up on a charge of attempting murder.' Drummond turned surly to those of his dope squad who remained. You can go, boys, he said brusquely. There's been some mistake here. End of chapter 11